Smartwatches and wearables are everywhere these days, and friends, they're only getting better. But they still have a ways to go, and to get us all caught up on everything smartwatch and fitness tracker, we've brought in Jimmy Westenberg from Android Authority, who is the foremost expert on the wrist riders of the world. So let's all learn about our heartbeat trackers and what makes them tick. Pun very much intended. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and I have a confession to make. I love smartwatches and wearables. I've been wearing a smartwatch since the days of the Moto 360, and yes, I have indeed suffered through every iteration of Wear OS since its inception. These days, ironically, this 300-pound fat guy wears a fitness tracker, and I can assure you... It's not helping. But there is some cool tech built into this puppy, and I wanted to talk to Jimmy Westenberg about it, and we'll get to that. But first, let's get into the news of the week. Good morning, Digit Fam, and now it has all the sads. No, seriously. Starting off the news of the week, we got a really nice shout out from my old co workers over at the Digit Daily Newsletter, wishing us here at the benefit of a doubt all the best, and we thank them for that. And in turn, you should be visiting digit.com and subscribing to the newsletter there because it's awesome and run by an awesome dude, Mr. Tristan Rayner. NASA has a website that allows you to find an image that the Hubble telescope grabbed on your birthday. NASA scientists have curated imagery taken on every date of the calendar to find the prettiest and cosmicest images that the Hubble grabbed. Follow the link in the show notes and put your month and date of birth and it'll show you what the Hubble observed on that date. In my case, December 30th, my image comes from 1998 and even back then, I was 22 years old. Now I'm sad. Anyway, on December 30th, 1998, the Hubble was checking out Stevens Quintet, which is a cluster of five galaxies all huddled together. Very pretty. I looked up images for the rest of my family, and my son wins, although my wife had a shot of Jupiter and a moon, which is a close second. At the beginning of the week, a radio station out of Austin, Texas, received a letter from an anonymous employee from an anonymous company. This company wanted employees to sign a letter saying it was hunky-dory to dock the pay of employees who received stimulus checks from the federal government. That employee was even generous enough to keep the company's name out of the paper so as not to negatively impact its image with this boneheaded and tone-deaf move. Quite nice. A lot nicer than I would have been. Well, sure enough, the outcry was so massive that by the end of the week, the company, which identified itself as ImageNet Consulting, walked that policy back, explaining that its intention was to try and keep as many people employed as possible, adding that top executives had waived their salaries entirely, and all salaries across the company were kept at $75,000. So what, they felt it was their duty to make sure that not just the top 10% suffered? Very generous. I guess in the end they did what was right, but like so many other powerful people and corporations around the world, they only did it once they got caught. And speaking of getting caught, if you're like literally everyone else in the world, you're stuck at home now, unless you live in Iowa or one of the five states not under a shelter-in-place order. And let's face it, we might be better off without Iowa anyway. What was I saying? Oh right, if you are sheltering in place, working from home, or part of a gymnastics team full of nine-year-olds, chances are you're relying heavily on Zoom to stay connected. 
Well, that might not be such a good idea, because with so many people now relying on the service, it's gone up to like 200 million users now. Well, people have started to notice that Zoom isn't as secure as its marketing might suggest it is. Multiple instances of the Zoom website, white paper, and the app itself make references to end-to-end -end encryption. Basically, what end-to-end -end encryption means is like when you send a message, only you and the recipient can actually see the message. Anyone else involved with the transfer, your ISP, the service itself, their ISP, all they see is gobbledygook, which is, by the way, also how my son's math teacher describes his writing. So you see, it's very secure. Well, Zoom doesn't do that. They use what's called encrypted transport, which is similar to the HTTPS protocol. Ultimately, that means that Zoom can see the content of your meetings if it wanted to. Of course, it says it doesn't want to. It doesn't want to do any kind of data mining or anything. Except, later in that week, security experts found a bug that automatically links your Zoom account with your LinkedIn profile, even if you entered a room anonymously. So much for no data mining, am I right? Well, this has not been a good week for Zoom, despite the almost certain ton of money that they raked in from businesses, schools, and yes, nine-year-old gymnastics teams. Fitbit, the new not-quite subsidiary of Google slash Alphabet, released a brand new version of the Fitbit Charge this week, the Fitbit Charge 4. The big news surrounding this announcement is that the Fitbit Charge now has a GPS on board, and it only took the fitness company four years to figure out that runners might want GPS. Go figure. We'll talk more about the Fitbit Charge 4 with Jimmy Westenberg later on, so for now, this is just a little sneak preview as we say in the biz. Unfortunately, we no longer say in the biz, in the biz, so just never mind. Apple has been notoriously secretive about its devices, but the current situation necessitates that Apple unpucker their buttholes and let some of their employees take new products home. This would have been considered borderline unthinkable back in the day. I mean, Apple used to prohibit engineers from talking about their projects with their spouses. Imagine having the same conversation with your spouse as you would if you worked for the CIA or the military. Hey, honey, how was work? I can't talk about it. It's for your own safety. Well, okay, maybe not exactly the same conversation, but still. Apple expects engineers to keep work product locked away even while at home, and other measures taken are outlined by Bloomberg. And I suppose in the end, we should be happy that Apple is at least acknowledging that workers do need to work from home, rather than just pretending none of this is actually happening, which is what it usually does. Our headline of the week comes from LifeWire, who is kind enough to let me write for them from time to time, BT dubs. And this headline reads, quote, WHO launches campaign to encourage video gaming together. The same organization claimed it was bad for you not too long ago. And well played, Rob. The World Health Organization recognizes that times have changed, and for now, the community brought to you by gaming may actually be the only socialization you actually get to do. My son can attest to this. If not for Fortnite, he wouldn't talk to anybody. But then, of course, he's 13. Even if there wasn't an outbreak, it'd probably be the same. So at least for now, the World Health Organization endorses it. Just, you know, don't tell my son. The two-horse CPU race between Intel and AMD got a bit of a jolt this past week as Razer released the Asus ROG Zephyrus G14, packing a brand new AMD Ryzen 9 4900HS chip. 
Historically, AMD processors have been cheaper and not as powerful as their Intel rivals. That, however, changes with the Ryzen 9, with some saying it could stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with Intel's top-of-the-line processor. It's got four cores, 16 threads, and runs at 3 gigahertz with occasional gusts up to 4.4 gigahertz. That's a weather joke. The Verge says that AMD has rewritten the rules of what a gaming laptop can be. Meanwhile, Digital Trends says that AMD has dropped the mic like Obama in 2016 before he realized just who was going to pick that mic up. And honestly, at $1,500, this gaming laptop is a pretty good deal. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't at least a little bit tempted, if for no better reason than to play Half-Life Alex. but $1,500 is a lot for one VR game. Of course, if you happen to be in the market for a gaming laptop, this should be near the top of your list. Apple bought up the popular Dark Sky Weather app and promptly announced that it would be killing the Android version of the app. Now you might be thinking, who cares? And if so, you're kind of in my camp. I'd never heard of the app prior to this announcement, but this is a very popular weather app if such something is possible. Joe Hindi, former podcast partner and current app guru over at Android Authority, called it the best weather radar of all times. And seriously, people, we're talking about a weather app here, right? Personally, I use AccuWeather for two reasons. One, its Minutecast feature is scary accurate. And second, AccuWeather was one of the only apps to develop a WebOS app back in the day, and that alone earns my loyalty. The Sprint T-Mobile merger is complete, and I'm sorry to say that John Ledger has stepped down as CEO. This makes me sad because that guy was batshit crazy on his best days, and I will miss his uncarrier announcements because you honestly just never knew what to expect, and even after you figured it out, you were wrong. Now, on to more serious matters. In the U.S., there is now less carrier competition. Yeah, sure, Dish Network bought up a bunch of prepaid mobile subscriptions, so it will be a fourth carrier. You can't see it, but I'm using air quotes. The new T-Mobile, as it will be called going forward, is still the smallest of the big three carriers at around 120 million subscribers, so it will continue to nip at AT&T and Verizon's heels. But if anyone thinks that Dish Network will keep T-Mobile in check, well, that's just adorable. And at the end of the day, is there anything we can do about it? Not really. Just pray that T-Mobile forgets how to make money for the next few years. Walt Disney World released a free online course through Khan Academy, which shows how the sausage is made over there. The courses surround how the Imagineers go about creating attractions and characters. It sounds like a fascinating course, and despite the fact that this news story comes from kidsnews.com, I can think of more than a few adults who would be interested in getting an inside look at the parks, which really are the happiest place on Earth. And let's face it, we could all use a little happy these days. YouTube is losing creators to TikTok, so YouTube is fighting back by copying TikTok. YouTube Shorts will be the new format for the video platform, and if you're wondering what it'll be like, just imagine literally any TikTok video you've ever watched, hopefully with less lip syncing. I mean, it's not that I don't like lip syncing, except most people are kind of bad at it. The dances are cute, though, so as long as YouTube Shorts have dancing, maybe it'll be okay. I'm just kidding. No, it won't. Remember a couple of weeks ago when Google wanted to release that bike rider's information to the police because he rode his bike next to a house that was getting robbed? Well, now Google is releasing anonymized, again, air quotes, personal location data to the federal government to help track the spread of COVID-19 and what could possibly go wrong with that. 
And finally, we have some surprising news at the end of the week to round it off. The first comes from HBO, who announced a bunch of free content coming to its HBO Now and or HBO Go app, which, as far as I know, are basically the same with different names. Anyway, you can get movies like Detective Pikachu and Lego Movie 2, and before you think that this is largely geared towards keeping bored children entertained, you should also know that you can get The Sopranos, The Wire, and True Blood as well. There's no word on how long this promotion will go on, so if you have a hankering for some Ryan Reynolds, grab Pikachu before you have to do something really silly, like pay to watch Pikachu Pokemon Detective. And finally, finally, Apple relented on a long-standing policy that anything purchased in an iOS app had to come through Apple's payment system and therefore Apple earned its 30% commission. Apps like Amazon Prime Video were always forced to redirect purchases to Amazon's website before it could feed that video content through the app. It was... Not an awesome system. Now Apple will allow a customer with a pre-existing payment method in the service to buy content using that payment method rather than forcing Apple's. The result? You could now buy movies on Amazon's iOS app. This is a big deal, and I'm curious as to what caused Apple's change in stance here. Again, all that's left for us to do is enjoy a better experience, but please, for the love of God, don't buy Pikachu Pokemon Detective. Smartwatches have been adorning our wrists for years now, and it's become quite the complicated field. From Apple to Google, from Fitbit to Garmin, there are a lot of choices out there, and it's hard to be sure which one is right for you. So, in our first edition of The State Of, we're looking at smartwatches, and to do that, we brought on some help in the form of smartwatch guru, Jimmy Westenberg of Android Authority. So, without further ado, let's jump right in. Our guest today on the Benefit of a Doubt podcast is Android Authority's own Jimmy Westenberg. If you've read any news at Android Authority, it has crossed his desk. But more germane to our conversation today, Jimmy is Android Authority's resident expert on all things smartwatch and fitness wearable. From Garmin to Fitbit to Android Wear to watchOS, no wearable has evaded his slender wrist that can drum with the best of them. Jimmy Westenberg. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Adam. Uh, I really like how you pointed out my slender wrists. I, I tried to um, keep those private, but I guess you <laughs> noticed them in my photos. I noticed them in your photos and in your killer uh, drum uh, Instagrams that you do. Those, Ooh, those are, yeah. You've got, you got some skills, bro. I'm just saying. So, Jimmy, the reason you are here is, as I alluded to in the introduction, you are a smartwatch guru. Like, you are all things smartwatch. You've done you've done the Garmin's. You've done the Fitbit's. You've done the Android Wear's. You've even done watchOS, I've seen on occasion. Which is why I wanted to get your... I wanted to bend your ear about the current state of wearables as they exist today. And actually, specifically, fitness trackers and smartwatches wearables. So, not so much the headsets. But... Mm -hmm. Now I understand that there was some big news that broke in the in the world of fitness trackers earlier this week. So maybe you can kind of give us a quick overview as to uh, what we're looking at from Fitbit. Yeah. So uh, Fitbit, you know, everything's kind of up in the air right now with the company, and um, that's you know obviously Alphabet uh, said that they were going to buy Fitbit. Um, for billions of dollars uh, last year, and that sales still hasn't gone through. And so I, I don't know if, if 
you know, Google and Fitbit are kind of working in tandem on anything yet, but this release um, is a pretty big one for the company. Uh, there are a few notable things. Um, so Fitbit's launching the Fitbit Charge 4. So that's their uh, their standard fitness tracker. And when I say fitness tracker, it's like a fitness band, right? It's not, it doesn't look like a smartwatch really. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's notable, especially because it's the, you know, the charge line is like the most popular fitness tracker line in existence. Um, and so, you know, when Fitbit launches a new one, it's kind of a big deal. The big news though, is that it comes with a built-in GPS and that is, you know, you might not think that that is a big deal, but it actually is because, um, you know, fitness trackers are small, and so companies need to be very um, uh, stingy with the <laughs> with the amount of things that they throw into it. That's why, um, sure. you know, battery life sometimes isn't great, and sometimes, um, you know, they they lose out on like. Uh, features like NFC for like uh, contactless payments. Um, but Fitbit has for some reason been so far behind with not including GPS, built in GPS into their, uh, into their fitness trackers. And I, I have no idea why, um, but they're finally adding it to this one. And, um, and yeah, so that's great. So everybody that buys a Fitbit charge four will now have, um, a GPS on their wrist. So that's great. Nice. Nice. Took yeah. it. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, really, you're not going to put that in? Uh, okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, smile and nod. Smile and nod. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's. I, I'm glad they're finally doing it. It. it it's. It, the company is kind of. They fall behind uh, in terms of like adding new features to their devices. Uh, out of curiosity, has Fitbit mentioned whether or not that's going to affect the cost as opposed to previous generations? So. No. It, well, they have mentioned it, but no, it will not affect the cost. Um, so nice. I, I'm okay. pretty sure all Fitbits, well, all recent Fitbits have been launching for this price, but I, I'm pretty sure these start at $150. Um, okay, great. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome news. Um, $150. And there's also a special edition model that comes with like a, a cooler uh, wristband. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know. It, they <laughs> See, for the past couple of years, they've been launching two versions, right? Like the the normal, like let's take the Fitbit Charge 3, for instance. Um, that one was a normal fitness tracker, but it didn't have um, NFC for Fitbit Pay. So you couldn't, mm -hmm. you know, make payments from your wrists. And then they made you, uh, you know, pay 20 bucks extra to get the special edition model, which had yeah. the NFC chip, which is you know, just annoying. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so now they're, yeah, the, the GPS model, uh, that comes on both the standard and special edition units. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I would have preferred them to put the NFC in both and then just the GPS in one of them, but Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause I really don't care about GPS, but I know, <laughs> yeah. you know, a lot of, I know a lot of people do, and it's actually a very big part of the fitness industry, which actually kind of transitions us nicely into like the main reason why we're here. And that's to discuss the state of fitness trackers and smartwatches as they exist today. You know, things are better than they were last year. Um, okay. And I attribute that uh, to companies kind of making up the slack for what Google isn't doing. Um, and when I say that, I, so let's talk about Wear OS because that's the, that's the one that everybody likes to complain about, but a lot of people right. still use it. Um, right. and so, you know, Google has traditionally, um, you know, been 
they they do not roll out features very often and they do not roll out bug fixes very often um so it's just it, it can be a very frustrating experience and so you see these companies come out with um, new smart watches new wear os watches that kind of make up uh pick up the slack i guess so wear os was laggy for a very long time and it it didn't last very long on a single charge like it's a very power intensive operating system so then mm-hmm. you have then you have a company like fossil coming in and launching these new smartwatches with like you know not a crazy amount of you know high end specs but enough you know enough um hardware to make wear os run well um, and they even had to develop like their own custom battery modes to make Wear OS not such a suck, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So you kind of have companies, yeah, coming in and, and kind of making Wear OS better because Google isn't doing that themselves. Right. And that's kind of Google's thing. I mean, like, you know, they'll put out the operating system and let OEMs kind of play with it to bring in their own stuff and then eventually Google will eventually absorb that stuff and and put it out as the next version of of its operating system. Now, of course, I'm using Android as an example and you know, we could point at a hundred different examples in Android that have done that, but and with Android Wear, there haven't been a whole lot of updates, so it's kind of it's it's kind of harder to see that strategy. So we're I think we can be very happy that Fossil is doing being as proactive as it is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and you know, the the big difference between, you know, Google cribbing some features from like, you know, Samsung's One UI and bringing them into, you know, uh, the Pixel's version of Android. That's all great um because that just benefits more users, but in this case it's just companies kind of have to work on their own. And I mean, I I know companies work with Google to develop new smartwatches, but you don't have Google as the um you know, you don't have a product that can steal those features and, and bring them to like a kind of a stock Wear OS uh, experience, I guess. So right. you, know, you just kind of have right. companies that if they want to make a Wear OS watch and they have an idea, then Google will say like, hey, yeah, that's a good idea. We didn't we didn't think about that. So, OK, so we covered we covered we kind of covered Fitbit when we talked about the new announcement because Fitbit's getting caught up. And now we've talked about Android Wear. Let's move on to Let's move on to Samsung, uh, because Samsung is arguably one of the biggest smartwatch alternatives if you don't want Wear OS. So mm-hmm. what is what is Samsung doing these days in terms of like the smartwatch? It's been about a year since they uh, released a new smartwatch. Is that about right? Um, I think they announced the Galaxy Watch Active 2, yeah, maybe like eight months ago. Okay. I can't, All I right. can't, it so... was at their last developer conference, I think. Okay. All right. So not that bad, but, um, okay. So what's, uh, what, what is Samsung doing right? And what is Samsung doing, doing wrong these days? So Samsung is doing, you know, it's, they are doing a great job at, um, marketing for one, uh, because everybody (laughs) knows that Samsung's got a Samsung. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So everybody knows that a galaxy watch exists in some form or another. Um, they're, they make really beautiful smartwatches, but they, I just don't know how people are recommending them left and right like they are. Um, okay. And I, I think they're, I think they're, uh, they're pretty. I really liked the model that they sent me. Um, uh, it is, um, yeah, it feels like a really well-made piece of technology, just like any, you know, Galaxy S phone that you've ever held. Um, 
the the on device software is good because they are they know you know kind of what they want out of a smartwatch they know that they want people to be to be able to reply to text messages from their wrists um they know that people want spotify integration and you know enough onboard storage so if you want to go out on a run you don't have to carry your phone with you to um to listen to music and, right. and so they're i think they're getting the basics right but it is still you know the first uh samsung smartwatch that wasn't you know wear os came out years ago and or well actually only a couple of years ago and and i think they have a lot of work to do with uh, with regards to third-party app support, there that's still like way lacking, um, yeah. and so you know you can't just download like any any uh, smartwatch app and have it work properly. Like there are a lot of like wonky third-party options. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the other big thing that I that I think everybody's overlooking, and that's I don't know if <laughs> I don't want to say that people aren't testing these things, but the heart rate sensor on the Galaxy Watch Active 2, by the way, an active smartwatch, one that you will be active <laughs> with, right. it does not work well at all. It, it gives you, it, it, in my testing, during my review, I tested it so much because I knew that it was going to be a point of contention because we found with the, the first Galaxy Watch Active that the, um, the heart rate sensor just wasn't up to snuff. And I don't know if they didn't upgrade it at all or if they if it's an actual hardware sensor thing that they need to upgrade um, year over year, but the max heart rate readings are off. Average heart rate readings are off. Resting heart rate readings are off. It's just, I don't know how people can recommend a, uh, an active smartwatch that has such a bad heart rate sensor on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that, that does seem to be a, uh, a critical component. So we're going to take a quick break here and then we will come back and we're going to talk about Garmin. So we'll be right back. Hey there, are you enjoying this interview? Did you know that we actually talked a whole lot longer? Well, if you're a patron of this podcast, you would, because while you're listening to a cut interview here, the full interview is available at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. Just $2 will get your foot in the door enough to listen to the full interview. At $4, you get invited to our Discord channel to have some great discussion and community. So join today at patreon.com slash benefit of a doubt. That's patreon.com slash benefit of a Dowd. Sign up today, support the show, and become a friend with Benefit. And we are back with Jimmy Westenberg from Android Authority, and he's walking us through the tortured landscape, which is the smartwatch. And now I want to transition over to much more of a fitness tracker rather than a smartwatch, although there are some smartwatches in that line. But I want to talk about Garmin because I've been I've been using a Garmin smart fitness tracker for about eh, about six months now, and I'm quite enjoy it. So where where's Garmin fit in this uh, in this totem pole of smartwatches? Garmin uh, continues to kind of focus on, you know, they're definitely more health-centric devices. Um, you know, I think they get, where whereas uh, many of the smartwatch companies we see nowadays, like, you know, Fossil and Samsung and even Apple, they get the smartwatch things right, but they, they are kind of just kind of making up uh, 
they're they're kind of um, slowly but surely catching up to fitness companies in terms of you know fitness and health features and sleep tracking and and how many metrics each app tracks and everything. Garmin is kind right. of the opposite, so they they really focus on making the best like outdoor fitness watches you can absolutely buy ever. But their smartwatch things uh, on their um, on their smartwatches they they just aren't as good. So um, okay, you know for instance they. Most Garmin smartwatches, um, they aren't touchscreens. There are some nowadays, but most of them aren't touchscreens. And that's simply because people who are like, you know, out on a 10 mile run don't want to fiddle around with a touchscreen. They want to be able to press a button and like pause their workout or, you know, switch their music tracks or something. And yeah, so it's just kind yeah. of like a little usability, things like that, that, that can, you know, if you own a Garmin smartwatch, you're probably okay with it, but there are, you know, you do get a better smartwatch experience on a lot of other devices out there. Gotcha. Garmin smartwatches also seem to be a lot more expensive than the typical, um, than the typical smartwatch. Um, I mean, unless I'm completely off base on that, but just in my, in my anecdotal, like shopping around for smartwatches, it always seems like Garmin is you know, up there in terms of like, you know, the premium tier. Is that, is that accurate or am I completely talking? Yeah, no, no, that's totally accurate. And, and I think, I mean, that's, that's a few reasons and, and mainly being, um, uh, they are more powerful than your average, like Apple watch or galaxy watch active too. Um, they have more sensors. Usually they, they have a thousand percent better battery life. Like I have a Garmin watch in my possession that I think it's a Garmin. Yeah. Garmin Phoenix five. That one came out a couple years ago. Yeah. It can last two weeks on a, on a charge, which is awesome. And you know, most other smartwatches can last like a day or something. Uh, Right. So yeah, that's that's a big benefit. Um, also, Garmin devices usually come with um, you know more rugged designs, and mm-hmm. I think that also um, kind of attributes to their higher price points too. They they just kind of do more, I guess. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, and actually, this is a this is a pretty like one one. I just wanted to put in one final note about the Garmin. The one thing that I found. Absolutely fascinating because you know I've had smartwatches. I've been wearing smartwatches since like the Moto, <laughs> the Moto three sixties. You know I've been yeah. I've been on that train. I've been I very much enjoyed having them. But like the one thing that I noticed about the Garmin that I've never seen in any other smartwatch is like the continuous heart monitoring. And which isn't to say I've never seen it in a smartwatch, but just the fact that it's always on. And I didn't even really find an option to turn it off. And it's so, like, I mean, like, I was looking at my phone, and it was, like, updating my heartbeat in real time. I'm like, holy cow. And, like, and the the darn thing still lasts for a week. It's it's just amazing to oh, yeah. me. Like, yeah, and, but, and no, I, I totally get that. And, you know, I don't think... I don't think everybody needs 24 seven heart rate monitoring, but if, if right. a company can make it work, then that's awesome because you know, the, this is kind of the, the thing that I talk a lot about when I bring up like bugs or, you know, battery life or something like that. It's if you, uh, need to take off your fitness tracker, um, you know, regularly because it's, you know, let's say it's big and bulky and you don't want to like sleep with it because it can get uncomfortable or right. if, um, you need to constantly think about like charging it, or if you constantly need to think about, um, you know, oh, I haven't recorded my heart rate manually in a couple hours, so maybe I should do that right now. And and the more you kind of think about it, and the more it gets in your way, the 
the less likely you are to wear it at all times. Sure. And and when you sure. take thing and you, when you take these health devices off, they're useless. They're not tracking anything. They they're right. just timepieces at that point. Um, so you know, companies really need to nail the design to make sure people are wearing these all the time. So uh, I know we're kind of up, uh, running up against a time wall here. So I I definitely want to make sure that we spend some time talking about Apple because in this podcast, Drew's humble opinion, Apple is the one that's kind of nailing it. I haven't used an Apple Watch for a couple of years. I have I've briefly okay. used the Apple Watch Series Five, um, and. Uh, I I still am of the opinion that yeah, one thousand percent. That's the best smartwatch you can get. If you have an iPhone, absolutely buy the Apple Watch Series Five. Refurbished if you want it for cheap, um, mm-hmm. you know. But it's it's just a fantastic device. The you know they're kind of um, helping out battery life with uh, their always on display. That was kind of an annoyance for for older Apple watches, right? That you know there were there was no low power options for uh, for a um for a clock face and that's kind mm-hmm. of annoying if you you know lift up your wrist and you and it doesn't you know it recognize. doesn't automatically <laughs> turn on yeah 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 that can be like really annoying because at that point that's kind of what we were talking about earlier is that you know if it gets in your way you're going to get frustrated with it and not want to wear it anymore so you know if you lift up your wrist and it doesn't show then you know, that's, that's an issue, but now there's an always on display on the series five. Um, and they're kind of, they, they did a good job at making sure that doesn't affect battery life a whole lot. Uh, but I so, think, yeah. I think if we're all honest, anybody who's ever worn a smartwatch is familiar with the wrist flick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, the come on, turn on there. And yeah, and like, Oh, excuse me, sir. I, I'm just trying to check the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I think Apple is doing a lot of other really good things. I mean, of course they, they are treating it like a product, which I think is the big difference between Google and Apple in this space. Um, you know, obviously with, without a pixel watch to kind of, um, to, to, to use as a comparison here, you know, just the fact that Apple, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of, uh, you, you, whether they're at a developer conference or just at a new product keynote, you'll definitely hear about the Apple Watch and how it's like saving lives because Apple's so focused on, you know, health partnerships and making sure like, you know, if uh, if you gift an Apple Watch to your grandma or something and she, mm-hmm. you know, has a tendency to like fall down when you, you know, when like she's alone or something like that, then, you know, that that's, that's a huge thing that, that will put the Apple Watch on more people's wrists. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Know, you know, if there's an Apple Watch bug, then Apple will probably take care of that in a, in a timely fashion. They, they, they won't feel like their watches are, um, you know, just kind of put out there and then, uh, you know, left to left to die. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I want to I want to just go ahead and finish this off with kind of a lightning round of questions and just like really short answers for all of these. I just want to kind of pick your brain on a couple of things and just to kind of round things out. So if you had to buy a smartwatch today with your own money, what brand are you buying? Ooh, um, I would buy. Okay. I would buy the Fossil Gen 5 still because it's on sale pretty often and okay. I, I'm kind of a cheapskate sometimes. So, uh, yeah, that's still a fantastic smartwatch. Okay. What does Samsung have to do better in the future to make up market share? I think they need to make their, I think they need to make um, software better as a whole. 
I think the the lack of third party apps is huge, um, and that that can really make or break an ecosystem. Okay, will Google make or break Fitbit? I think they're both both Google and Fitbit are going to do some breaking of the uh, each other. of each other's products. <laughs> each other. Yes. Well, that's all I got for my lightning round. All right. Well, Jimmy Wessenberg, I thank you very much for your time and uh, you know for coming on and giving us the skinny on all things smartwatch. And um, of course, if you would actually uh, do us a favor and kind of tell us where we can find you, not like we don't already know. So on the <laughs> interwebs, where can we find you? Uh, well, of course, AndroidAuthority.com. Um, I am all over the place on that website. And if you uh, want to find me on Twitter, it's just at Jimmy Westenberg, J-I-M-M-Y-W-S-T-E-N-B-E-R-G. Nice, nice. And I don't think I ever gave your proper title at the beginning of this episode. So I will say thank you very much, Managing Editor of News, Jimmy Westenberg at Android <laughs> Authority. It's Thanks, a very Andy. big deal, people. I'm just saying, you know, it's... <laughs> He's not just an editor. He's a managing editor. So yeah, get it right. Get it right, people. Ex- exactly. Exactly. So thanks again for your time and for coming on to the show and hope to have you on again soon sometime. Of course. Thanks, Adam. I really appreciate it. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'd like to thank Jimmy Westenberg for coming on to chat with us about all things smartwatch. And be sure to become a patron of the show to hear the whole interview. Thanks, as always, to my co-producer, Clifton M. Thomas, for all of his hard work. But most of all, I thank you for listening. I thank you for subscribing and reviewing. Hint, hint. And I thank you for giving me the benefit of the doubt.